Control Podcast, we discuss diabetic ketoacidosis, or what we'll call DKA from now on. Do you see cats with DKA in your practice? Does DKA really stand for diabetes kills animals? No. What do you usually tell owners about their prognosis? And what do you base this information on? While we know that DKA is a complicated form of diabetes mellitus, and we often tell owners that it usually happens due to some other complicating concurrent disease or condition, we don't actually know a lot about those diseases or conditions and whether or not they contribute to a patient's outcome. So Cooper and all out of University of Pennsylvania wanted to answer that question. So they looked at cats with DKA, diabetes mellitus, and no diabetic disease over a 10-year period. In this retrospective study, the authors compared variables to see if anything, such as signalment, concurrent conditions, etc., seemed to affect outcome. Inclusion criteria for the study included cats with DKA that were hyperglycemic with a blood glucose of greater than 250 mg per deciliter, that had a venous pH of less than 7.35, and that had evidence of ketonuria or ketosis with a urine or serum acetoacetate of greater than 1.5 millimoles per liter. For cats with diabetes mellitus, inclusion criteria included persistent hyperglycemia with a blood glucose of greater than 250 mg per deciliter, glucosuria, no evidence of ketonuria, and a venous pH greater than 7.35. The non-diabetic disease cats were patients examined for preventative health care and routine wellness visits over the same time period. In the DKA cat group, treatment included a continuous infusion of regular Humulin R insulin added to 240 mils of 0.9% saline at either 1.1 units per kg or 2.2 units per kg of body weight. The solution was adjusted based on blood glucose concentrations over the course of treatment. Overall, 93 cats were included in the DKA group, 682 in the diabetes mellitus group, and 16,926 cats in the non-diabetic disease group. When the authors compared these groups, they found significant differences between the number of Abyssinian cats that had DKA or diabetes mellitus and those that were non-diabetic and between the numbers of Siamese cats that had DKA and those that had diabetes mellitus or were non-diabetic. Male cats were more likely to have DKA or diabetes mellitus as compared to female cats. In other words, don't buy a male Abby or Siamese. Of the cats with DKA, 50% or 47 out of 93 were diagnosed with diabetes mellitus concurrently and 50%, 46 out of 93, had been previously diagnosed and were being treated for diabetes mellitus. Of those that were previously diagnosed, the median time between diagnosis of diabetes mellitus and DKA was only one week, with a range of 0.1 to 378 weeks. Of the physical exam findings in the cats with DKA, 62% were noted to have neurologic abnormalities, including 41 with dolmentation and 13 cats with obtundation. 24 cats were recumbent on presentation. As for clinical pathologic data, CBC results were available for 76 cats with DKA. Neutrophilia and thrombocytopenia were not associated with diagnosis of acute pancreatitis, nor was neutrophilia associated with a urinary tract infection. Anemia and serum phosphorus concentrations were not correlated either. Serum chemistry results were also available for 76 DKA cats. 
hypokalemia was seen in 58%, hypophosphatemia in 33%, and hypomagnesemia was seen in 14%. And these were documented in 97%, 65%, and 76% of cats at least once during hospitalization, with median times to the lowest potassium, phosphorus, and magnesium concentrations being 17, 24, and 35 hours from the time of initial examination. In other words, don't forget to continue to monitor these electrolytes. On presentation, median pH in cats with DKA was 7.19, and pH decreased in 66% of cats during hospitalization, with the median time to lowest pH at 8 hours following initial exam. Low venous pH was inversely associated with increased ionized magnesium and increased BUN concentration. Of the cats with DKA, 73 cats had aerobic urine culture performed, 14% had bacterial growth, and 86% did not. E. coli was the most common isolated organism in 8 out of 10 cats. Concurrent disease in the cats with DKA included acute pancreatitis in 34%, hepatic lipidosis in 13%, and chronic kidney disease in 13%. Overall, 55% of cats with DKA had a concurrent condition, including those just mentioned, or a urinary tract infection, and some cats had more than one condition. In general, treatment of cats with DKA included fluid therapy, potassium and other electrolyte supplementation, sodium bicarbonate, and insulin. Cats treated with a higher concentration of insulin via CRI at 2.2 units per kg versus 1.1 units per kg diluted in a bag of 240 mils of 0.9% saline were less likely to have a poor outcome. 54% of cats were discharged home following treatment for DKA and were considered to have a good outcome. Of the remaining 43 cats, 33 were euthanized. Four were transferred to the referring veterinarian for further care, three were taken home against medical advice, and three died in the hospital. Increased initial creatinine, BUN, total serum magnesium, and total bilirubin were associated with poor outcomes. No other factors were associated with outcome. So, what can we take away from this Vet Girl podcast? Siamese cats may be at increased risk for DKA, and Abyssinian cats may be at increased risk for diabetes mellitus and DKA when compared to cats with diabetic disease. While previous studies have suggested that Burmese cats in Australia and the United Kingdom and purebred cats in the United States may be at increased risk for diabetes mellitus, this is a first study to suggest that these breeds specifically may be at risk. The only factors associated with poor outcomes in cats with DKA in the study were increased initial creatinine, BUN, total magnesium, and total bilirubin. Because increased creatinine and total magnesium were positively correlated with each other, the authors suggest that these values indicated renal dysfunction and that the presence of renal dysfunction might be predictive of a poor outcome in cats with DKA. However, they did not find a correlation between the presence of chronic kidney disease and outcome, possibly because they defined it as azotemia after at least 72 hours of fluid therapy, and many cats had already been euthanized by that time. Total bilirubin concentration was associated with poor outcome as well. Although patients with conditions that would likely cause an increase in total bilirubin, such as acute pancreatitis or hepatic lipidosis, 
were not more likely to have a worse outcome. Many more cats had blood work performed to measure total bilirubin than further diagnostics performed to look for causes of increases in total bilirubin. So further research is needed in this area to determine why this association seems to exist. Current conditions, with acute pancreatitis being the most common, was diagnosed in over 50% of cats with DKA in this study. As we generally counsel owners, this study affirms that it's important to look for underlying diseases or conditions that might contribute to illness when a cat presents with DKA. Interestingly, this study suggests that an insulin infusion at a higher concentration of 2.2 units per kg per bag of saline might be preferred as it is associated with better outcomes. The authors hypothesize that this might be the case because a higher dose of insulin might just be more effective. It's closer to the human and canine standard doses. Or it might be due to other effects of insulin, such as its anti-inflammatory effects. Also, most cats developed electrolyte abnormalities within the first 35 hours of treatment, highlighting the importance of frequent monitoring. The pros of this study? Despite it being retrospective, this is a fairly large study that looked at pretty big control populations, which is great. It would have been nice to see more comparisons between the control populations and the DKA cats. The authors really only looked at signalment for comparison. This study confirms, as we often suspected, that a large proportion of cats with DKA have concurrent conditions, so it's a nice jumping off point for further studies looking at these conditions. It would also be interesting to look at variable insulin infusion concentrations prospectively. In conclusion, this retrospective study suggests that a large portion of cats with DKA have concurrent conditions, most commonly acute pancreatitis. Patients with DKA have a guarded prognosis. 39% had a poor outcome in this study. So looking for underlying conditions that may be treatable, as well as measuring renal values, total magnesium, and total bilirubin may be helpful on presentation to help prognosticate for the pet owner. When in doubt, use a higher dose insulin infusion in your cats with DKA as it may contribute to improved outcomes.